Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Welcome to our show. It's for you. Those that work so hard for your money and you're now ready for your money, start working harder for you today. You want that freedom of cash flow now, not 30 or 40 years from now, but you want it today so that you can live that life that you love doing what you love. But most importantly, guys, you know, it's not just about getting rich. It's about living a rich life because as you're blessed financially, you have a greater capacity to bless the lives of those all around you. That is why I'm here to do this show today. Thank you for tuning in and binging. I appreciate you guys reaching out. In fact, I would invite you today, if you haven't done so, if you've gotten any benefit from this, if you've taken some of these strategies that's helped you either free up money, increase cash flow, or even increase your passive income, let us know. Like, Send us a quick email, just info at moneyripples.com and just say, hey, I did this thing from the podcast and I made this much of money. I would love to hear it. So please do so. And, and heck, might as well make it a review while you're at it too. Are you an alternative investor who's super heavy in real estate? Maybe you have Airbnbs and single and multifamily properties, and you're looking for another cash flowing asset that would produce tax advantage and build equity. Well, my name is Kim Daly, and I'm a franchise consultant. I've created a free 30-minute webinar on creating wealth through franchise ownership. If you are looking for the opportunity to leverage your talents, your money, your skill, and build equity and tax advantage, a franchise could be the next opportunity for you. Register for my free webinar at thedailycoach.com. That's the D-A-L-Y coach.com. All right, guys. So I've brought on a special guest today, Drew Brenneman. Now, Drew, I just got to tell you, like the story in this guy is incredible and you're going to hear about it because I know very few people that have accomplished what he did, especially at such a young age. This guy started internet business at age of 19, eventually transitioned to doing real estate investing and not only just did real estate, but built that up. I mean, not just in the Sun Belt and the Midwest and everything else, but built up his portfolio to be over $200 million. It's just blowing it up with what he's doing. He also has his podcast, the Brenneman Blueprint Podcast. I invite you guys to check that out, but excited to bring him on today to talk about and share his perspective of what he's learned over time, especially between the business and the real estate space, but also about how you can really build generational wealth. How can you specifically be able to have that wealth pass on from generation to generation and and just knock it out of the park. So Drew, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So you got to give us the story, man. Like first off, I mean, I was internet dumb. I mean, you're about nine years younger than I am, but what kind of internet business did you do and how'd you get started? Well, I was always really entrepreneurial when I was a kid. So like I did a music performance once for my parents. I remember I was telling someone the other day, I was like, I charged them admission, perform for free to your parents. Like who would do that? You know? So I was always kind of entrepreneurial thinking about ways to make money. And some of my friends were playing this video game when I was, I think a freshman or sophomore in high school called Diablo two. And when they were kind of done with playing the game, they, your, your character accumulates items in the game and they sold those items on eBay for real money. And wow. so I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I didn't care about the game playing it. I wasn't a, if I played any video games, it was more like sports games, but that doesn't really matter. I looked on eBay and sometimes these same items would sell for $5 and sometimes for 10 or 20. So I figured, okay, why don't I invest five, 10 bucks and try to 
buy low, sell high. And I did that. So I bought something at an auction that was in like the middle of the day on Wednesday for, you know, five bucks and then put it up on a buy it now auction for 20 and and it sold. And I did that literally thousands of times. So from my sophomore year of high school to my freshman year of college, I did thousands of transactions. I still have 5,000 or so positive feedbacks on my eBay account, was selling on my website. I just recently actually moved from Chicago to Austin, Texas, and I was going through all the stuff in my office and I still have the notebook. I kept track of all the deliveries in and I, no exaggeration, have two full notebooks, the like 70 page, like school notebooks where every line front and back. So what is it, like 26 on a side or something uh-huh. like filled out with the delivery and crossed out. So it was like literally it was this. So I didn't get rich in any one sale there or anything. And then, but I made between 80 and a hundred thousand dollars over that time period. And the important thing is I kept all the money. I only really spent money on gas for my car. And then I bought a radar detector after I got a speeding (laughs) ticket. That was otherwise I saved everything. I already pay rent. Obviously I'm a high schooler and then I already owned enough clothing. I thought, and I owned a car. So why go like waste this money and buy like a used Ferrari or something like probably most 18 year olds Mm would have done. I started reading all the books people read when they're 40, you know, a rich dad, poor dad. And I did a book report on Think and Grow Rich and invested in the stock market and stocks. This is a teenager where I had to have my dad sign on the account somehow as like a custodial thing just to open it. The light bulb for me on investing really went off reading the first rich dad, poor dad, just kind of thinking about getting outside of that whole employee mindset. And really like there's these other ways to make money. You know, so I really liked that book. It's very simple. So he's not going to tell you how to like any tactics really on how to make money, but just sort of mindset, like get out of the employee quadrant and get over to investor or one of these business owner ones. So that all made sense to me. And I started reading about investing. I read Intelligent Investor, and but the light bulb really went off on real estate investing when I was reading a book called Investing in Real Estate by Gary Eldred. He had just a super simple example. And as you do this more, you realize how oversimplified it was, but it was, let's say you buy a duplex, you put 10% down, and then the property itself goes up 3% a year, let's say on average. Every year, that's a 30% return on that 10% right. down payment. And that's just the appreciation. That's not factoring in cash flow or paying your loan down or the tax breaks you're going to get along the way. And I didn't understand all the, a lot of the rest of that. Obviously, I understood cash flow, but thought, wow, 30% or whatever it's going to be, that sounds really powerful. And so I got the real estate sort of bug at that point. And I'm from the Milwaukee area. I was going to go to Madison for college. And I did. I figured why well, when I go there, I'm going to buy a rental property my freshman year and move into it my sophomore year. And I did. So that was my first wow. real estate deal. Put 35000 down from the internet business money and bought my first property moved into it, rented out the bedrooms in my unit and to my friends and then rented out the upstairs unit and I was living for free. So house hacking before they ever came up with the term. So that's right. Yeah. And that's pretty incredible. It's fascinating because I mean, you kind of went from flipping eBay products, right? I mean, that's really kind of what you were doing there. It's funny because it's almost like you're selling the metaverse before as the metaverse, weren't you? Yeah, I know. And then later on, some of these games, they built it into the game, like where you can buy items from them. Like, I think that's how that Farmville game, some of these other things worked where I was beyond the video game age playing by the time those came up. I was early doing that. And so it was really a nice run with not a lot of competition. And then as more people figured out, you could make money doing this, that people would accept less of a profit margin. And then, you know, by my freshman year, after I bought that property, I was making from selling those items still was kind of turned into what felt like a waste of time. Like I could make more money focusing on the next real estate deal. And so then yeah. that was when I stopped. It seems like the only thing you haven't done is day trading or did you? So, well, I tried doing that when I was in high school, but this is before smartphones. And so you would put a trade on, you'd enter it in before you go to school. And so you, people listening can see where this, this is a flawed strategy with this 16 year old Drew was doing. 
I put the train on, then I go to school and no smartphone, no nothing. Uh, maybe I went yep. to the library once to see what happened. And then I'd come home and see what happened. And maybe the trade went through at the open and then the market dropped. And then you're, you know, you're 16, you're going, probably should sell tomorrow, or maybe give it another day. Yeah, I wasn't day trading in and out throughout the day, but I was trying to trade stocks, but I had no strategy and no edge compared to the other investors. And that's something now today I've figured out as a real estate investor, like you want to have an edge against the competition, like something that sets you apart versus just sort of paying full price for a deal for sale that everybody can bid on. So I didn't know that yeah. at the time, but now I do, thankfully. So... Interesting. Yeah. We talk about on the show, I mean, really, if you talk about the two, I would say the most proven strategies for creating wealth, even though there's people that do it wrong, right? And they, of course, lose money. There's always that exception. But definitely the one that's been proven to show that there's more millionaires and billionaires has been one business or two and or real estate, right? Those two areas. For you, I mean, you've been in both spaces. Where's your preference? Or do you like both? What is it for you? Well, What's really great about real estate is for the risk involved, the returns are very high. So if you think about it, you have signed contracts or at least, so I do multifamily and I have some commercial deals I bought in 2009, 10, 11. We have signed contracts in place with people and that money is more or less guaranteed. Obviously, some people don't pay their rent, 99% plus do. And Compare that to just any other business, like a restaurant or whatever you have in your head of a business. You know, you're not guaranteed your revenue tomorrow in any of these businesses. And so you then combine that with being able to lever it up by putting debt on it. You're creating high returns and something that's like fundamentally not that risky. And so what the downsides, there are some, obviously, like it's not liquid. So then what that does is if it was like fully liquid, it probably the returns in real estate would be lower than the stock market because it would be somewhere risk wise between stocks and bonds. But because Mm -hmm. it's not liquid, that drives out some investors. People, if you need your money back in, let's say the next three years, you should not be investing in real estate. Real estate is more for three plus year holds. And so that keeps the returns high, but then the risk is not that high. So it's really, if you are okay, if you're doing the deals yourself, you got to also be okay with the workload. So that's the other negative. Perfect for me though, as a 18 year old reading this book, I'm just a college student. I don't have another job. I got time to be the property manager, look for deals. If I had was already working a full-time job and had kids and stuff, maybe I would have been like, I need to find, I can't do this or I need my money for X, Y, Z. Whereas for me, this was money I was looking to turn into a lot more and not really tap into yet and wasn't worried about putting in work. So real estate was perfect for me. Yeah. I think that's really insightful because sometimes there's passive opportunities that come along that we'll find and it might be business related. It could be like a car wash, for example, right? Some kind of franchise type of business. But like you said, even when my clients ask us about that, they'll say, well, what do you think? And we'll say, well, could be good. It could be a great cash flow play, but it's still a little bit on the speculative spectrum, right? It's more in that kind of speculative quadrant. Even if it has good cash flow and great potential returns, It's more speculative where if you're in certain types of real estate, depending on the real estate, of course, a lot more certainty. You have a real asset that's there. It's not just based on business or on cars coming through. It's based on people living there, right? And you're providing a value and a service that way too. It's a, it's a very different game. You need to factor in the risk on these things. And it's interesting. I look at, say you go on CrowdStreet or some of these websites where people are raising money for real estate deals and the ones that do the best, it's usually just the ones that have the highest return. Which if you're actually doing this like day to day, like I am, that makes absolutely no sense to me because like the brand new redevelopment uh, where you have to build a hotel and lease it out every night or take an empty office building and re-rent it and where office is always overbuilt and a tenant's market, those deals will raise money if they have like high projected returns. Whereas like a apartment deal that might have, let's say those two development deals, they make a 20% IRR a year. 
a 13% mm-hmm. apartment deal where you're just buying an existing one and maybe going to run it a little better. People are less interested in that because it's like, oh, it's, it makes so much less. But that's because the so risk is like a tenth of like those ones you have to build it and do all these things and uh-huh. put on a permanent loan later and release it out. And also too, mind you, like just go in your retirement calculator or whatever or compound interest formula and type in 13% a year. It's pretty dang good. You don't need to make 20. So that's where something that always kind of baffles me. And when you're actually doing this and I'm competing with people who aren't raising money also, they're just buying it with their own money or second generation family doing real estate. They're never doing those speculative deals. They're just like, I already own 20 deals in this neighborhood. This is in a good location. I like the property. I'm paying a fair price today. And they don't like think about more and they rarely ever sell. Like they just, yeah. uh, you want to buy more, you buy it from your cash flow or you refinance out some of your equity. And that's how you see the people that are really successful doing it. It's interesting to observe. So. Yeah. It's kind of what I refer to as boring is sexy, right? The more boring it is or the more boring it is for the operator, the sexier it is to me. I heard somebody reference like it's like a vanilla deal versus getting buying chocolate. I think vanilla is great. I think it's not ice cream normally, but <laughs> but you know, yeah, when it comes to those deals, you put chocolate I love on vanilla. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to put yeah. chocolate on it just to make the vanilla a little bit better, you know, mix it together, right? But yeah, I know like you mean those... the less moving pieces, the better in these deals, yeah. you know, where yeah, if you can make a good return buying like a fully leased out building to the post office like that actually sounds pretty dang good to me. You know, you got them sort of federal backstop. One of our industrial deals that I focused only on multifamily has the post office in it. And they've been in there for 15 years. You barely heard a peep paying rent every month. Like it's great. So yeah. it doesn't have that higher IRR. You're like, hey, they pay. I don't have to deal with it. There's no time and energy expense as much as it is with some of these other deals. I love it. Yeah. I don't know what our IRR is on that one, but it's like we paid 5 million for it. It's worth eight mm-hmm. now. And we paid the loan down to two something, been cash oh, flowing wow. for, for 15 years. So like that's make money slow, but that's, you know, made quite a bit of money and that's just one deal. So yeah. And they're paying the mortgage down for you. It wasn't like you had to pay it down. It's like right. that cash flow is actually helping you pay it down while you're still taking profits too. Exactly. Yeah. Where we have positive cash flow and then every month we're paying the mortgage, the principal balance down. Right. And what was your so, down payment on that? A 1 million 50,000. On that deal. Oh, nice. So then, yeah. So we originally, you know, we bought it for five and a quarter million and then borrowed four something. Yeah. So then just kind of for my story, like I bought those deals in Madison and then I moved to Minnesota to take a full-time job. One of my coworkers there, he had heard about, he just, it's kind of like I was doing now talking about the deals I was doing on my own, met with his dad. And then the three of us, we bought a hundred million dollars of property together in Chicago and in Minnesota. And then a handful of years later, I met another family, similar kind of deal and bought a sim- about a hundred million with them as well. Just same thing, but buy and hold for the most part, we only were selling if we thought the property didn't have like great prospects going forward. And then what we did is we would sell it. We do a 1031 tax deferred exchange into a new bigger deal. So now I'm also, I also syndicate deals, raise money from past of investors. But originally I was only really working with those two guys. You know, you'd call them and be like, Hey, it's just like the last one. And we need, I need a million bucks. You want to do it. And, you know, usually their questions were just like, when do you need it? And, you know, maybe something else, like how old's the building or something. But they, mm-hmm. you know, once you've done a few of these, it's your, it's almost better to focus on less stuff and just be like, yeah, the returns are similar to the last deal and it's in a good location and just buy it. It's a long-term hold. We'd still run IRR calcs and other things, we calculate our cash flow, obviously, but a lot of long-term investors are not as concerned with some of those metrics where like a passive investor would. We're trying to build wealth long-term on those deals, mm-hmm. not like just sort of put up a big return for a year or something and post about it on the internet or something. So, <laughs> Right. It's not, not a quick transaction in that sense. Yeah. You don't really yeah. build wealth that way. So, I mean, it's right. Just, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Just anything. What else do you want to touch on? Sorry, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I was about to ask the next question. So 
I was going to break before we get the $200 million question, right? I want to ask you, like, what's the best way for people to follow you? They want to do that. Yeah, I think I have a podcast called The Brenneman Blueprint. So if you're into podcasts, you can find that on YouTube or anywhere that you have podcasts. And then I'm at Drew Brenneman at really on every social media platform. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, just signed, just started a TikTok. So what been interesting. Those would be the best place to find me. And then our company's website's brenneman.com. So that's where you can find out about everything we're doing. You can invest in our deals passively. Or again, we just specialize in just multifamily and in a few markets in the Sun Belt. So yeah, and the cool thing I, I like with hearing your story is that you're even birthed, if, you, if that's even the right word for it, but you made your start even just prior to the last recession. So, I mean, you've been through recessions and now we're moving to another recession. Like you've kind of been around the block, haven't you? Yeah. And yeah, learned a lot in 2009 and 10 buying deals where we were one, some of the only bidders and everyone was working out their problems. And you realize how important it is to have a good relationships with your lenders, with your investors, where that stuff really matters sometimes get tough. And same thing with the brokers and just everyone in the whole real estate ecosystem. So that's when it really matters. So important to be liquid back then too, because everybody else was illiquid. So right. you need to almost walk on water if you had a lot of cash to work with. That's right. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, you're kind of talking about this already with these other families, but creating generational wealth. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like what are your views on the best ways for someone to create generational wealth? I think this is going to sound maybe too simple, but own real estate long-term where how I like to think of it is let's say somebody were to say like the goal is I want to be a millionaire, let's say. And in today's times, it's not going to be enough to retire on. But let's say you want to have $1 million and you could buy a $500,000, let's say two to four unit property. FHA has a program you can put three and a half percent down. Just own that for 30 years. In 30 years, it should roughly, it'll double, be worth a million dollars and you'll have it paid off. And obviously you'll have positive cash flow along the way, but that's the simplest formula. And I even do that now. I think like, wow, like we have this portfolio, it's 200 some million dollars of property. We just sit on it and do nothing but run it. This will turn into a $500 million portfolio that we have paid off. Mm -hmm. Like that's crazy. And so I would think that would be the strategy. And whether you do it yourself and buy your own deals, or you find someone you can invest with partner or someone you can invest in their deals. I think the key if you're trying to build wealth is where you don't want to be flipping in and out of deals. There's so many transaction costs, uh, buying and selling real estate, and also then paying tax because then your gain, where I would highly recommend looking for longer term holds, stuff that's five years, 10 years, things where you can, if you're investing with someone, will they allow you to do a 1031 into the next deal? Because then you can do a tax deferred exchange. That's the 1031 thing is and delay and defer paying your capital gains or depreciation recapture taxes. And we've, we've exactly. done that on some of those early deals. We've done three of them back to back now where we bought a shopping center, sold it, bought a bigger shopping center, sold it, bought two. Once we sell those, we'll just end up buying another bigger deal and keep holding it. And if like a lot of these, like the big, if you want to really defer your taxes, you hold it till you uh, or actually eliminate, you hold it till you pass away, you get a basis step up and your capital gains and depreciation recapture goes away. So I think that's the best way to do it. It's, you know, sorry, it's so simple, but it's, it's playing out for me and the guys that partner with. And then also I see that in a lot of people where one of the guys that bought a deal from in Chicago, his dad bought 40 duplexes in one of the, what turned into one of the better neighborhoods in Chicago, Lincoln Park, back when mm -hmm. they were like 50 grand. And they're all, they're all worth like over a million now. Yeah. And what did he, he just, well, he bought like a bunch of deals in the seventies. He's been running them. It sounds yeah. boring, but that's pretty good nest egg the guys built up, right? So it <laughs> worked out for him. Well, I think that's the important thing. I mean, you said it's simple and you're apologizing for it, but really that's the power. Like simple is simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, right? Because really those of us that have seen how complex and things can get, 
when you really get it down to the nitty gritty, it's really that simple. Think about how many people are trying to save into their 401ks, right? For 30, 40 years. And we've already seen the results of that. Like people still aren't becoming financially free. They're still living on a very tight budget in retirement versus like you said, Hey, what if I just put that money into this property 30 years and you're even being very conservative to say, Oh, let's just say it only doubles in 30 years. Right? Like, let's just say it's like a, just a stable market. It just cash flows. Well, still, even if that cash flow, let's just say it only doubles, but still that cash flow is going up with inflation and rent and everything else. And you're still making like 8,000, 9,000 a month on that property. That takes so much more work to be able to replicate that in the stock market. It's not impossible, but to be making say 8,000 a month or hundred thousand a year in the stock market, you have to have saved up at least $3 million in mutual funds. And that's no easy feat. Most people never get there. Right. That's what really where the light bulb went off for me with real estate, where it's that it is that simple. And at the time, I didn't know you could invest with people or partner up where if you got someone that you know, where say you're older, someone younger that can do the work or vice versa. If you don't have any money, maybe you know somebody who's older and you guys could partner up. Like there's more than one way to do it than just my example of buying a duplex or whatever that was too, where if you have some sort of advantage where you somebody who's in a different type of real estate and you could partner up with them. If you find a deal, there's a lot of things you can do. So absolutely. Well, man, Drew, this is great stuff. I really appreciate your time and very generous and insightful. I mean, that's just awesome to hear your experience and what's going on there. So everybody, I definitely recommend you check out his podcast, the Brenneman Blueprint Podcast. Definitely check out his website or his handles as well on social media that Drew Brenneman. Guys, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's been around the block. He's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's not, it didn't just show up a couple of years ago. He knows what's going on, right? Another person, another voice in the wilderness that's giving you more and more evidence about how you can actually create generational wealth, not just for you, but that ripple effect that goes through your family for generations. And guys, this is up to you. You have the power, you have the control to make that effect happen in your life and the lives of your family. You can impact generations beyond you by the decisions you make today. So go and make it a wonderful and prosperous week. We'll see you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now. Now.